How's it going, church? My name is Joey Ortiz. I am the student ministry director and youth pastor here at Grace Bible Church, and I am very excited to be here with you guys today, very excited to share God's word with you, but I can tell you that I am probably not as excited as some of the teachers in here that are entering into a week where they do not have to deal with students. Uh, my prayer is that you guys find that week, or, or if you are working and you don't have work this week, that you find this time restful. I know that the holidays can be very crazy, but just want to know that we're praying for you guys and pray that you have a restful Thanksgiving break. This, uh, today, we are going to wrap up our last sermon on the book of Mark for this semester. We will dive back into the book of Mark February 4th when we come back after a few other series, but we, we want to definitely dive in and, and refresh you guys on kind of where we've been. See, we opened up this series about 10 or 11 weeks ago, walking through what this book is all about. This book is about diving into and showing you why Jesus is the Messiah, why he is God who has taken on flesh. Over the course of the next few weeks, we talked about his ministry in Galilee and how he showed that he had authority over demons and sickness and the curse of sin. Over the last couple of weeks, we have talked about him getting his hands dirty and actually teaching. Last week, we talked about the very first parable that he gives at length. He had already taught in parables up to that point, but they were very short. And last week, we talked about the parable of the seed, the sower, and the soil. And today, we are going to dive into Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 34, which comes right after his conversation that he had where he explained that parable to his disciples. And this is super important because this is a continuation of that conversation. It's a continued conversation with the 12 to explain to them what the kingdom of God is all about. Last week, when we walked through it, we talked about why Jesus was teaching in parables. And I, I just want to refresh your mind by giving you a quote from John MacArthur, a pastor out in California. In his book, Parables, he says this, the symbolism that Jesus is teaching with hides the truth from anyone without the discipline or desire to seek out Christ's meaning. That is why Jesus adopted this style of teaching. It was a divine judgment against those who met his teaching with scorn unbelief, and apathy. See, Jesus was teaching this way as a way to veil the truth from those who had denied him as the Messiah. His apostles were seeking understanding from that, and, and, and I love what Jesus says in verse 13 of Mark chapter 4. He said this to them, do you not understand this parable? Like, don't you get it? Because if you don't get it, you're not going to get anything else. How will you understand all the parables. How are you going to get anything that comes after? And it's funny because then he goes and he teaches three parables back to back to back. And so as we dive in to this week's sermon, I want to take a moment to just remind you of those four soils because that's going to be very applicable to what we walk through today. The first soil that Jesus taught about was the hardened soil, a heart that was hardened by Satan. And, and as soon as the word was sown, he would come and remove it from them. These people are blinded to the truth. Paul says that the gospel is foolish to those who are perishing. And in this case, that would be them. 
The second soil was a shallow soil or a shallow heart, a heart where the word was received and accepted with joy, but then when adversity came, the seed died because there was no root. The word had not rooted in the heart of that person. The third soil was a thorny soil or, or the divided heart, a heart that wanted the things of this world. They want the things of this world more than they want the things of God. Finally, Jesus mentioned the good and productive soil, the soil that multiplies 30, 60, even 100 times. This is the soil, the heart that was cultivated by God and prepared to hear the gospel. That heart receives it, and his word takes root, and then the believer begins to grow. And after explaining this, the apostles are then sitting there and he continues to dive into what the kingdom of God is like. And so if you have your Bibles, let's dive into Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 34. And he said to them, the apostles, it is a lamp, or is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand, for nothing is hidden except to be made manifest nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground, he sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the grain, full, uh, then full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts it in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up to become larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so the birds of the air can make its nests in it, in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Pretty clear, right? You guys followed? No, right? And that's part of the reason why Jesus is teaching like this. To those who did not have ears to hear, the truth was veiled. And so as we look at these teachings, we are going to break down these three parables into four parts, okay? And by the end of it, my prayer is that it will be very clear as to what Jesus is saying. So first we will address the parable of the lamp under a basket. Then we will talk about the parable of the seed and the growing then the parable of the mustard seed. In the first parable, Jesus compares the kingdom of God and the information, the knowledge of the kingdom of God to a lamp. Now, these lamps that Jesus is talking about is not this big, huge, six-foot-tall lamp that you pull the cord on and it shows light into your entire house. This was a small clay container. And inside this container was oil. And you would light the end and it would burn and you would put it on top of a lamp stand so that light would be made known throughout the house. 
Now, in this first parable, in these first few verses, what we read in Mark 21 through 23, Jesus says this, and I'm just going to read it really quickly again. Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. Jesus is talking about the knowledge of the kingdom of God. He is telling his apostles, like, all of this is being revealed. It's all playing out in front of you. And what you are going to do is make it known. This light that is happening, this knowledge of the kingdom, the gospel, is going to be something you are called to share. In a few chapters, in Mark chapter 6, we're going to talk about the first time they go out. Jesus gives them authority to cast out demons, the authority that he has shown that he has. Jesus gives them the authority to cast out sickness. And they go and they do that and they preach a gospel of repentance. But they are not preaching the complete gospel because the cross hasn't happened yet. We actually see that at the end of the book of Matthew, the Great Commission, right? He says, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Teach them to obey, and I will be with you to the end of the age. And the purpose of this parable, what he's saying is the same song that you probably sang as a kid if you grew up in church. This little light of mine, I'm not gonna murder your ears with my singing voice, I promise, but what are you gonna do with it? You're going to let it shine. You're going to show it to the world. And so for us as believers, we have to understand that this parable, the purpose of it is to let you know that the kingdom of God, one, is being made known. It is being revealed to you. Jesus is showing you he is the Messiah. He's doing that in this time. His apostles are being made aware of who he is. And so are the Pharisees, and so are the people in Galilee, and so are the people in the surrounding regions where he is preaching the gospel. And the knowledge of the kingdom should be shared with all. And I'm going to tell you, church, I'm going to tell you, we as a church need to do a better job of this. We know who Jesus is. We know that he lived a perfect life. We know that he died on the cross in our place. We know that he was buried and he rose again. As a matter of fact, we're going to celebrate that next week at Baptism Sunday. We know that, but do we share it? We know that he is King of Kings. We know that he is Lord of Lords. But do we share that truth? Do we let that little light shine? The answer is we don't do it enough. I'm going to tell you guys, yesterday I was sitting at Kruger Field. My son plays football for a local tackle football youth league. And it's so funny because like every time he gets out of practice, I'm like, okay, dude, like how did it go? So he comes and he's like, dad, if you hear this word, if you hear coach say this word, that play, that plays for me. Go for it. Awesome. Sweet. Yesterday, we're sitting there, and I hear my son, or I hear the coach yell, like, he yells this word, and I'm not going to say it, because if you're here from another team, I'm not giving you secrets. <laughs> and I hear the coach say this word, so the first thing I do, bam, I pull out my phone, and I'm like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Like, I know it's going down, right? Sure enough, he breaks off the line, he runs a slant across the middle, he catches the ball, and he goes 50 yards for a touchdown. 
Before the play was done, I was sharing that video with friends and family. Don't ask me how, right? But I was sharing that video with my friends and with my family. Do I do that with the word of God? Let's rewind back a few months. There's a little fast food restaurant that opened up right around the corner. And everywhere I went, dude, have you been to Freddy's? Have you been to Freddy's? Have you been to Freddy's? And I'm like, no, I've been in line for seven days. I haven't been to Freddy's yet. Right, we do that with food, we do that with movies, we do that with the Cowboys, we do that with the Aggies or the Longhorns or the Spurs. If you're Pastor Eddie, the Steelers. But do we do that, church, with the word of God? Do we do that with the one thing that is eternal? Are we faithfully sharing and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to the world? The answer is no. Not the way we should. And it's cool because Jesus in the very next verse continues the same idea. He continues on to talk about exactly that. Verse 24, he says this, and he said to them, again, continuing to talk to the apostles, pay attention to what you hear. If you have ears to hear, hear it, listen. Don't be terco. Pay attention. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added. Now, in that time, Going, this is going back to the parable of the seed and the sower and the soil. This is a picture they were very familiar with. In order to sow the soil, they weren't holding a bunch of seed trying to throw it. They had a bag. And they had measured out what they would need for each section of the field that they would need to sow seed for. And they would throw it. And they would go. And they would throw. And they would throw. And what he's saying is, the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You will be given that back. And more will be even added to you. For the one who has, more will be given. This is verse 25. And to the one who has not even, um, what he has will be taken away. Paul echoes the very same thing in Galatians chapter 6. Take a look at what Paul says. He says, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows that he will reap. Whatever one sows, that he will reap. For the one who sows his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. That's the second person that Jesus is talking about here. The one who has not even, what he has will be taken away. Then the one who sows in Galatians 6, chapter 6, verse 8. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. More will be given. If you faithfully listen to God's word and God's word has changed you, you are inclined to share it and share it with all. You cannot shut up about it. You can't. And the thing is, a lot of times we shy away from sharing the gospel. A lot of times we worry about sharing the knowledge of the kingdom because we are more concerned about the world. We're more concerned about how people will react, what people will say, how they view us. Going back to what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20, going back to the Great Commission, Jesus starts off those verses by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. It's been given to me. Now you go and make disciples. See, Jesus is empowering us to share this. And we're called to share it because the more we share it, 
the more opportunities God will give to us. We have to remember, church, that we share the gospel in his power, under his authority, for his glory. In his power, under his authority, and for his glory. We share the good news of the kingdom with all people. Not only do we not do this, church, I think there's some times where we have the ability to do this and we don't. And I'm gonna use a word picture. We just talked about the parable of the soils. How many times have we as believers prejudged the soil of somebody else's heart? How many times have we been able to share the gospel with someone, but we said, I don't know about that guy. I don't think he's going to receive it. I don't know if they're there yet. As if to say that our delivery of the gospel can't change a person's heart. Romans 1.16 says, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Right before that, it says that we shouldn't be ashamed of it. And so do we share the gospel with all? Do we do it not only across the board, but do it in his power, under his authority, and for his glory? You see, if we are prejudging the soil of someone else's heart, if we are determining that they are already going to say no to the gospel, we are no different from the Pharisees that Jesus just condemned for saying, why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? Why is he here with them? Because they aren't good enough. We are called to share his message. We are called to share it with all. A few verses later, right, we dive back in. Mark chapter four, verses 26 through 29. He moves on to another parable. That was the parable of the lamp. Now we talk about the parable of the seed and growing. He's following along with this agricultural picture. Again, something these people would be very familiar with. He says this in Mark 4, verse 26. And he said, the kingdom of God as if, um, is as if a man should scatter the seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day. The seed sprouts and grows, but he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe at once, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Now, I don't know if you caught this. I don't know if you saw this. But me, first thing I noticed, the man sowed the seed and then he went to sleep. He sowed the seed. Peace out, I'm gonna go take a nap. Now, we talked about sharing God's word. And Jesus in this parable makes it very clear that the, the growth that happens spiritually within a person is not our responsibility. We're called to sow the seed and go to sleep. Paul says again the same thing. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 6 through 9. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Who is responsible for the spiritual growth that happens within the heart of a believer? It's God. It's the Holy Spirit. 
He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. What's awesome here, guys, is as we look at these verses, as we look at this parable, we are called to sow. I think that picture has been made very clear. We are called to share the good news of the kingdom of God. And as we share it, God's going to do the work in people's heart. God is going to draw them closer. God is going to awaken their spirit to his word and his truth. And in verse 28 where it says, but, but the grain, the earth, produces by itself. In Greek, that word is automate. That's where we get our word for automatic. It happens on its own because God is the one that is doing it without the intervention or help from us. We partner with God as he grows his kingdom. God is growing his kingdom. We partner with him. We are co-laborers with him as we share the good news of the kingdom. See, at first, as we read through these, you're like, man, I don't know how a lamp and, and a seed and, and a tree, how they're all connected. But as we start diving in, it's made very clear. We are called to share his word. We are called to do it to all. And God will grow it alongside what we do. Verse 30. Mark chapter 4, verse 30 says this. And he said... With what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed. Now, I want to pause really quickly. A lot of times we hear this phrase, it's like a grain of mustard. Faith, like the size of a mustard seed, and God can move mountains. We read that in scripture. Here he's saying that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. If you can picture a grain of sand, a mustard seed is slightly larger than that, slightly larger than a grain of sand. It fits within the eye of President Eisenhower on a dime. That's how small a mustard seed is, okay? And so as we flesh this out, I want you to know a mustard seed is not only tiny, it's incredibly small. It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make their nests in it. The picture here, guys, if you're following the train of thought that Jesus is laying down, God's kingdom will start and it will appear to be very small it will appear to be almost insignificant. You have to understand at this time, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And yet Jesus and these 12 men, 11 men, Judas doesn't count. <laughs> Jesus and his apostles will then turn around and change the world. And the kingdom of God will go from looking very, very small to being immense. And, and, and it's amazing because a mustard tree, a mustard seed grows into a tree that is over 15 feet tall 
and from its center extends branches out six to seven feet in each direction. From something as small as a grain of sand to being huge, God will grow his kingdom through what we're doing, through faithfully sharing the word. And we partner with God as he grows his kingdom in his time. And it's so fascinating because he throws in this detail at the end. And the birds of the air will make their nests in its shade. I've read a whole bunch of interpretations on this. I tried to like understand like, man, what is, what is Jesus saying here? And I've seen two things. And to me, the way that I understand this is the nations and the people outside of Israel will come and make their nests in the shade of the kingdom of God. Because that's who we're called to take the word to, is it not? Acts chapter one, go and be my witnesses to Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. Is that supposed to stay in Israel? No, no. As a matter of fact, Samaria, the second place that he mentions, those people were enemies of the Jews. They were hated by the Jews. So we are not called to take this just to people that we know and love. We are called to share this with the world. Church, the growth of God's kingdom does not depend on us. It doesn't. We get to partner with God as he does it, but it does not depend on us. Take heart in that. Share the gospel. Share it freely. Because I'm going to tell you, church, if it was totally up to us, broken, fallen, sinful people, we would have failed, and we would have failed long ago. God is growing his kingdom. He is sovereign, and he will partner with our faithfulness to grow his kingdom. God, the Father, he is the one who sent out his only son to step out of heaven in a plan set forth from eternity past to save sinners from the wrath that they were owed for their sin. I'm gonna say that again. God sent his son to die in your place, to take on the punishment due to you. The book of Romans says that the wage for our sin is death. Jesus took that on the cross. He suffered, he died and was buried. On the third day, he rose again. God is cultivating the hearts of sinners, of broken people to hear that message, church. God is preparing their hearts to receive the gospel. The Holy Spirit guides us, it convicts us, and it brings us to the knowledge that we are called to share. And it's us believers who not only hear the word, but like it says in the book of James, we are called to be doers of the word. We are called to share the gospel to the world because the world is longing to hear it. We are called to take this message of the kingdom out to all the nations and make disciples. 
See, we don't just stop at sharing the word and be like, all right, homie, bye. We don't do that. Jesus says, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and then teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. See, if it was just about sharing the gospel, if it was just about saying, hey, Jesus died for you and Jesus loves you, people would be like, amen. But where would sanctification happen? Where would growth happen? How would we be challenged or held accountable? Jesus says, no, man, teach them to obey. Teach them to walk the way that they're called to. And that's what we're called to do, church. That's what this is about. Go, share the gospel. Share the good news of the kingdom. Tell everybody about Jesus. Do it freely and without hesitation. Because I'm gonna tell you, the world will say, guys, don't talk about religion. It's not proper. It's not okay. It makes things really awkward. That's a lie from the father of lies himself. It's a lie. Because if you don't share the gospel, how will people come to hear the good news? How will people come to believe? That is the world attempting to stop the kingdom of God from growing, and I'm gonna tell you, it is failing miserably. The world is not gonna stop this. It's not. And we are called to not only share this truth and share it with all, but to understand that it is not all on us. God will grow his kingdom in his time because of the very people who call upon the most precious name there is, the name of Jesus Christ. In the book of Acts, it says that there is one name under heaven and earth that can save. That's the name of Jesus. That is through the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's what's changing hearts. That's what's changing the world. So share it, church. Share it with everyone you can because when you call upon the name of Jesus, you are forgiven, you are saved, and you become a child of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. We thank you for your son, Jesus. We thank you for his willingness to step out of heaven. We thank you, Lord, that as we hear about the amazing sacrifice that he put down on the cross, God, that that is how we become your sons and daughters. That is how we become saved. And Lord, my prayer is that we as a church are a church that exists to go out and bring our city into a life-changing relationship with your son Jesus and his church. And my prayer, Father God, is that we are not ashamed to do that. That we sow this seed and we sow it everywhere because you will do the heavy lifting. You will do the work of bringing people to you through your son Jesus. And so, Father, help us to be a church who lives on mission for you, who partners with you as you grow your kingdom, not only here in Laredo, but around the world. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We pray all of these things in his mighty name.
Amen. Love you, church. Have a great week.